2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker. Mark, Shannon, and Mad. All right, it is show number 534, and on today's show, we're talking about why you should never write in to criticize this show, workbench or hand tools first, <laughs> jointing wood, bandsaw breaks, and when to seal logs? Why is it written that way? Just to see what you would read it as. When to seal Logs? Alright, well, before we get to all that good stuff, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before October 31st at rockler.com slash Talk. That's pretty exciting. I like that. It is. You know what? You know what? Tell me. If you want to help
0: support this show, this thing we do, you can do so. You absolutely can. Mm -hmm. You can go to patreon.com slash Talk. And sign up to become a patron of the show. And this time we're thanking, we got six people here to thank. Yes. Yeah, That's more than last time.
2: Significantly more. Mm-hmm. Infinitely more than last time. That's right. Anything, <laughs> anything greater than zero would be more. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Joseph Joseph
0: Welsh, Andrew Rosenbaum, Nobby Hudson, Mark Wood, Jason Kremit. Kremit? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something. Kevin Fletcher. All right. Thank you, Kevin, Jason, Mark, Navi,
1: Andrew, Joseph. Are you putting these through? Does Joseph want us to read out his address since he included it? Should we just? (laughs) No. If you guys want to thank Joseph, here's his address. (laughs) Write him directly. (laughs) Go on by. (laughs) Say hi. (laughs) Let him know what talk guy sent you. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I
2: probably shouldn't have. Forget that.
1: Don't write him. Just drive by. (laughs) Well, hey, stop by.
2: People love doing that here. That's uh, something I'm getting used to. You just stop by and say hello. It's fun. Maybe it's a Midwest eh, thing. Howdy, neighbor? Eh, maybe <coughs> not. All right. Well, you know, this is going to be no. a Q&O sh- show. It's a q and a <laughs> q and O Different vowel. Q&A show today, uh, just because. And we got a whole bunch of questions. You guys are great at uh, keeping us filled with questions. And we have our, we just kind of take the pick of the litter. Pick the ones we like the most and put them in here and try to answer them for you guys. Uh, so I guess I can get us started right away here. we got a. Uh, this is sort of a statement from Scott. And he says, would talk? Question mark. Which episode is about wood talk? Every show seems to devolve into content creation topics or behind the scenes business topics. I get that you all have these topics in common, but come on, let's talk about wood. All right. You know what I'm going to say, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just let a little build up happen here. <laughs> Something happened. For it. Something happened a few years ago, right? We're we we're like we hit our 500th show. We were uh, at the point where we thought it wasn't a it just really wasn't fitting into our schedules. That well, it was hard to justify taking this time to do this show, and we decided to retire it. That that left us out of commission for a year. And after that period of time, we just heard constantly from people about how much they enjoyed the show. And as a fellow podcast listener of other podcasts, I know how these shows can kind of just integrate into a lifestyle. Uh, or a work schedule or something. And when it goes away, you really miss it. And that message like hit us loud and clear. And we gave it a lot of thought and tried to tried to really devise a way that we could bring the show back on a more steady basis. And it was one of the, one of the things was the partnership with Rockler uh, that really made that help us, you know, kind of get to a mental state where we could justify this sort of time. So ever since that point, there has been a mental shift. In the past, criticism about the content of the show would be something we would discuss. We would take that very seriously because you know we wanna make sure you guys like what we do here. But one of the things we kind of went around the, the horn and talked about was we wanna do the show that we wanna do. And although Rockler is a great sponsor, we need to make sure we actually want to do this show uh, because money only gets you so far. The, the desire to do the show is the thing that makes this show good. And one of the things that helps us do that is just doing the show we want to do. That's what you're hearing today. And I'm going to say this and not to be mean, Scott, but if you don't like it, you do not have to listen. This is the show we're doing. We enjoy doing it. If you make it something we don't enjoy doing, there will be no show. (laughs) I mean, capiche? Can't get more clear than that. Okay, so that's where we stand on this. And this is why it's been a great (laughs) pleasure of mine to open the inbox and rarely, if ever, see an email like this that's criticizing our topics. We've been here Well, we were first. 2006, I think, is when the show started. We are today on episode 534. Uh, Be honest, we just don't need the criticism right now. And if you don't like the show, you are not hurting our feelings. You don't have to listen. There actually are quite a few really good podcasts out there, but good luck finding one that doesn't talk a little bit about content creation because it's content creation that brings this to your ears. Uh, And I think you are exaggerating. We do talk probably on average more than all of those shows. Uh, specifically about woodworking and deep woodworking topics. And I think we provide a good all around entertaining and informative product. I don't think I know that t- podcasting <laughs> is content creation.
1: Dang, I had no idea. This is crazy. It's like it's pretty deep. So, so the questions we answer on every show, are they not woodworking questions? No, I mean, once in a while,
2: not. once in a while, <laughs> we do devolve into content creation topics. And we That's know usually what's on the bench, though.
1: Uh, it, I think I the just, dining room. I just want to say, maybe I'm. I'm just. I'm just so proud of the dad that Mark has become because that was the ultimate dad ring, right there. <laughs> that was a. That was a. Don't make me come back there and turn around this car. Uh, that was. That was a thing of beauty. Uh, that's when the. Well done, sir. That's when I look over I mean, the
2: glasses over the
1: bridge of my nose and I go, <laughs> Mateo, come here. I mean, I remember when you were a proud dink and now <laughs> yeah. look at you, you're, you're a seasoned father. That's just, wow. Well, I'm, well, glad, it's good. So I'm glad it's useful for something. <laughs> uh,
2: so that, that's where we stand on, on critiques and criticism. And uh, I think there'll be no more show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just.
1: I'm also full of barbecue right
2: now, which puts me in a certain mindset of uh, turn this podcast, like invincibility, I guess, uh, from barbecue sauce. It's really good. So how that works. Yeah, I think so. All right. So that inspires (laughs) this next question. Uh, It's actually in the form of a voicemail.
3: Hello, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. I'm a longtime listener, big fan of your work. Uh, I'm a full time um, production furniture maker right now. And uh, I've got a background in the theatre, theatrical carpentry and um, prop making in particular. I had a question. Um, I know you touch basically on on woodworking questions typically, but this one's actually on the content creation side. I know you've touched on it a good bit here and there throughout the podcasts, but I really wanted to, to revisit and just ask... Uh, a very open-ended question about what kind of advice you would give someone looking to get into content creation. I've been uh, dabbling here and there, but I really want to uh, give it a good go right now. And so, just give us an idea of what um, what you would do differently, and maybe start with what you did and what you do differently. Getting into content creation, uh, maybe not full time, but heavily. If you started right now, uh, I look forward to hearing from you and. Also, the accent was just for attention because I know that if you do an accent, you'll get on the podcast. Ah! <laughs> oh, he got us!
0: <laughs> oh, what a <laughs> jerk, Anthony! Yeah. Theatrical car- carpentry sounds like like some kind of like you put on some kind of like carpentry show. <laughs> it's not actually building no. anything. No, I'm saying like like you're, like you're acting. Well, hold on, going hold on. Through, is it like, theatrical saw? Is it theatrical, things. like
2: uh theatrical carpentry, pretty much YouTube.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's
2: <laughs> right. I mean, in a way. Go. So, yeah, I mean, because we don't talk very oh much about God. content creation, we thought this would be a fantastic vo- voice to <laughs> follow up with Scott's question. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, we won't, we won't be spending a lot of time on this, but uh, one of the difficulties I think in asking the three of us in particular is that we were probably like gen one, gen two of Content woodworking content creation online. So, in terms of evaluating how we did things in the beginning, we did the best we could with what tools were available and what the ecosystem and an environment was like at that time. And it's impossible to say, well, had we known, well, we didn't. We didn't know where things were going. We didn't know what tools would be available or what this community would become. Uh, it was very hard to see that uh, as the future. So, I find it sometimes difficult to to put that, you know, do this, like, um, this mental exercise of like, how would I have done things differently as a, well, I would know the future and I would have been able to make great decisions based on that, but no one has that info <laughs> at the time. But I mean, uh, I guess see, we could boil this down and someone's starting out today. Let's each just maybe give them a piece of advice. You want to go first, Matt? Maybe <laughs> if you have a piece <laughs> of advice, don't, um, is not an acceptable answer.
0: No, no, no I, so <laughs> I'm going to just back up for just a second too. Cause I, so I started just over eight years ago doing this and the landscape was extraordinarily different back then, Mm -hmm. like content creation, like, okay, you got YouTube and then Instagram was, Oh, you you take pictures of things and people like them and you get on the top nine and that's how you grow. Right. Like there's, there is no more of that for like those platforms. Now it's all short form video content. So that's totally different than even when I started. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think if I have to give any advice other than I have, I'm not the right person to ask for advice. Cause I did this. I, I've, I have the advantage of first to market or earlier to market, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I think regardless, you either have to be doing something interesting or be interesting as a person or even better. Both. I think regardless of when you started or whatever, the content you have to create has to be enjoyable for people. So Either it has to be enjoyable because of the topic or enjoyable because of how you present the topic. Yeah. And ideally both.
2: I think that's great advice. And I'm going to add one other possibility to this. I think we're in a point now where if you are really deep down in a niche and your goal is to give information and purely focus on detailed information, you will not get huge but you will get a dedicated, very niche down audience who will love what you do because no one is really doing the in depth stuff anymore. So you take the time to do that, you'll find your tribe, and it will be great as long as you are okay knowing that you are not going to be one of those, uh, you know, channels with the goofy thumbnails and following this playbook <laughs> that everyone else follows.
1: Preach, brother! I can I can testify, <laughs> right? Testify to that. Shannon's got the my, hand tool my- school
2: based on that niche down <laughs> deep
1: information audience. My my more than ten year old my channel that predates YouTube just broke fifty thousand subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah, celebration. Time. You know, granted, granted, a lot of that's my fault. I kind of neglected YouTube for the last three years, but I I like kind of both of what you said, and I'll take it even a step further and say, you know, we talk about you hear engagement all the time. It's a metric. You know, are you engaging with customers? How are customers engaging? you know, or viewers engaging with your, with your content. When we started, Mark, I actually, all three of us, because Matt, you weren't that far behind. Mm -mm. Engagement was about like answering questions. It was talking to these people. It was helping people. And one thing that I hear of more than anything today, someone will leave a comment on my YouTube channel, or they will send me an email via one of my sites. And when I respond they are so thankful that I responded. Right. <laughs> and and I've even asked a couple of times, and I'm like, you sound like you're shocked. Like, of course, you know, they're like, so, so I'm so glad that you, you helped me out here. And I'm like, of course, you know, you asked me a question. And I hear from people saying they, that's rare. Like there are yeah. a lot of content creators out there that have huge channels and have huge subscriber bases. And I guess they just don't. And, and to be fair, my inbox gets pretty crazy. So it does take me a while sometimes to respond. So I can only imagine somebody that maybe has, you know, 1.5 million subscribers or whatever, they're, they're getting inundated a lot. Um, but find if you want to make entertaining content, you know, to me, I think find a way to engage with your, your people, you know, Mark says, find your tribe. Okay. Find your tribe. Now engage with them. And I'm not talking about metrics. I'm not talking about how long did they watch the video. I'm not even really necessarily talking about make sure you reply to comments in the video. Find a connection. And this was a lot easier back when things were smaller, when we still had conferences and things like that. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I look forward to the most about Woodworking in America was putting faces with these people that I had you know, exchanged yeah. emails with and mm-hmm. commented on their blog. Now I'm dating myself. <laughs> but that's the thing that keeps me going now. Is when I put out an in-depth video, an instructional video, and somebody has a question about it and I answer it and then they get back to me and say that worked or now I'm going to do this or I'm going to use this technique when you can actually see that you helped someone um, and you've actually built a relationship. And I mean, I can honestly say I've got friends all around the globe that I've met through woodworking content creation. And that to me is what's rewarding. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, my, my wife jokes um, because we always joke about, well, you know, I'm a woodworking celebrity, which means absolutely <laughs> nothing anywhere, but woodworking in America. And, you know, she, Heather went with me to woodworking in America several times and she's like, this is ridiculous. Like you can't even walk across the room. Like it, we tried to go to lunch and it took us 45 minutes to get across the yeah, room. Somehow you know, she's still sounds- unimpressed. Yo, yeah,
2: I love it. You gotta love, well,
1: you know, she was was the first to admit that woodworkers are some of the nicest people she met, Mm -hmm. but were weird. Yeah. She's like, so you're famous amongst these weird people. These people don't care. Yeah. I'm going to be unimpressed. (laughs) But it's just one of those things where these were people that like, they'll, they'll come up to you or they'll send you an email and say, you know, you really helped me with this. Or, you know, they, they listen to this show. They consume the things that we produce and they get to know you as a person. Yeah. Um, and and that becomes part of your brand. Sorry to go market speak on you there, but that's that to me is what makes it interesting, and that's what keeps it engaging. And it's not just about creating the content anymore; it's about understanding the audience. And if you understand the audience and the people that you want to help, to me, the content creation part just kind of falls into place because mm-hmm. you know what you want to create at
2: that point. Yeah, I think that's the. I actually think the uh, niching down, focusing on information, that's the easier thing because I think you can. You could write that down. You can get it all together. It's not, you don't have to be super creative about it. I think when you want to be entertaining and you want to appeal to that larger general audience, that's when things get tricky because you you have to know how how people like want to be entertained and the formats that they want you to use and the things they want you to show. And that's that's a, a lot harder path to navigate too.
1: Okay. Yeah. I don't understand it. <laughs>
2: it's hard. Some of us just can't translate. I mean, I it's a constant struggle for me. I know that for sure. Um, I'm glad we didn't spend much time on that. So, Shannon, you want to get the uh, (laughs) you want to get the first question here?
1: Good. You're welcome, Scott. (laughs) Um, So uh, and this is from Justin. Um, No, no, I'm I'm thanking Scott, who didn't want us to talk about content creation. I'm
0: thanking Anthony for the setup for this. Both of them. They work together. Well, Well yeah. yeah.
1: Well, um, thank you to Justin for this next question. (laughs) He says, I'm a power tool woodworker that wants to get more into hand tools. I believe hand tools are more efficient for certain tasks, learning to plan a a uh, face flat enough for a planer is likely less expensive than the purchase of a joiner um, that I don't have the cash for. However, I do not have a workbench conducive to hand tools. It's essentially a two-door cabinet and set of drawers on casters with a top made of two layers of three-quarter inch ply. Um, I have a Moxon vice that I can clamp onto, but the casters lift the entire bench too much and it rocks when I'm planing. I've considered adding a plane stop to one end for hand tools. I have a low-angle jack, some cheap, a, a cheap Stanley block plane, some Harbor Freight chisels, and my current plan is to build the hybrid workbench split top Rubo yeah, baby. TM from the Wood Whisper Guild. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and buy more planes, maybe enroll in a semester of the hand tool school. My question is: should I go for the planes first? Or should I save that learning experience? And build the bench first. Wow, that was a long way of getting to that question. Um, so yeah, guy wants to get into hand tools. Should he build his bench now, or should he go buy some tools? Hmm. I'm of the school that you you should buy tools with an asterisk. Don't go crazy. Based on what he's already said, um, you know he says he's got a, a a low angle jack plane, a block plane, a set of chisels. Other than a couple of saws, I don't really see that you're missing much to get started in hand tools, unless they're really crappy planes. I'm also an advocate of buying like a nice plane to start with so you kind of know how it should work. Um, But I started without a workbench. Um, I built my workbench um, after the fact. I've built another workbench since then with with no workbench. It's very possible to build a workbench without a workbench. Um, I built a workbench with very minimal tools um, but you may not like it. <laughs> like you may decide that hand tools aren't the route for you, or you may decide that certain aspects of hand tools, like, you know, I enjoy sawing boards by hand. I enjoy milling boards by hand. I'm weird. Believe me, there's a lot more people out there who would much rather cut dovetails or cut tenons with a, with a hand saw. And they leave the milling to the the power planer or whatever. Um, you know, he's already got a planer, he doesn't have a joiner. I'm a huge proponent of the whole hybrid milling idea where you just knock down the high spots so that it doesn't rock on the planer and run it through. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think you can truly design a workbench until you kind of know what you need. Yeah. And you're not gonna know what you need until you spend some time behind the tools. So I, I would say focus on the tools, try to build a couple of projects with your hand tools first, and then let that knowledge inform your design of a workbench. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I want to add something to this.
1: <laughs> the end. <laughs> I'm looking
2: at the time. <laughs> so what PM. I at uh, I, let me just add real quick. I actually maybe, I mean, I could be convinced either way in this argument, but I actually, part of me likes the idea of making a workbench first. And the only reason why is because people like Chris Schwartz have made careers out of making sense of workbenches, and one of the things I gathered from his books yeah. was that yeah. there is a sort of uh, what would you call that? What's the word I'm looking for? It's like in its purest form, without bells and whistles, the basic framework and skeleton of a good quality bench that can then be modified yeah. to do those specialty things you need it to do. Um, and that's where the whole Rubo, you know, talk comes in. Um, so I do think there is kind of that like prototypical workbench that you could build as a blank slate. And then have better experiences when you do add the other tools. I'm not saying that's the best way to go. I'm just saying as a
1: counterpoint, that is a viable no, I and, and that's the funny part is I agree with that as well. Yeah. I mean, I've always referred to it as the chassis. Right. The, the chassis of the Rubo and the Nicholson is essentially the same. And you can bolt on vices and do all kinds of different things there. My concern is for this particular case, as, as a po- power tool guy that's kind of going hybrid, he's not using a workbench now in his shop Mm -hmm. or what he has is working for him. So to carve out space in the shop, to carve out time, to pay the price of lumber, (laughs) because bench uses a lot of lumber, um, if it's not really a route that he's sure about, he could end up regretting the time he took to build that bench and the space that that bench is taking up. So, you know, and and I could be wrong here. He may be a little bit more informed on hand tools, um, just from what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Who knows how much work he's done with hand tools. Uh, I just think it's worth... Build a box or two, you know, and, and, and get some feel for how the tools work. And then if you're lucky, use those hand tools as you build your workbench and you're going to learn a lot about the hand tools (laughs) then. Um, So yeah. Okay. We're in agreement. I don't. Yeah. Okay.
2: Sounds good. Uh, We got a question here from uh, Tall Jake. He says, (laughs) this is Tall Jake, AKA SamuraiSoul.TX. I guess it's on uh, Instagram. Your blast from the past coming to you from episode 71 of Wood Talk Online. Was that the Wood oh, Talk boy. Online days or the Wood Talk Online radio days? Um, oh, it's also oh confusing God. to me. So wow. cringe. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so, okay. So he goes on. He says, yes, I just found y'all and have over 400 hours of podcast goodness to catch up on. In case you forgot, here are some things that were going on back then. Y'all were, it's hard for me to read y'all. I don't speak like that. So it doesn't come out of my mouth naturally. It's, you know, Jews, guys. Um, All right. You were talking about any of the upcoming releases. Okay. So we're talking about the new iPhone, the iPhone 4 at that time. All right. Um, Mark was (laughs) moving houses and shops. I guess the more things change, the more they stay the same. Shannon was just officially named an additional co-host Matt had recently gotten a new table saw with groundbreaking safeties like a riving knife, and <laughs> the dumpster fire waiting to happen. Somebody had sued uh, a brand other than SawStop and won for well them not being SawStop. Uh, speaking and okay, so he goes into a question here. Speaking of new safety equipment, I recently moved as well, and I'm setting up a and expanding my shop and about ready for a bandsaw purchase. How big of a deal is a bandsaw break? I do own a saw stop and my fingers are important to me. I've been unable to swing the budget by the wife for a bandsaw with a foot break because it seems like a pretty big step up in price just to get that feature. I've used bandsaws without them before, but this will be my first purchase and a needed shop addition. Should I wait until I can afford this feature or buy something I can afford now and get to making more dust? All right, so I've had both with and without the stop feature. Uh, I will say it is it is quite a, a safety bonus in a sense if you remember to use it because <laughs> there are many, many times I will stop the saw and the habit is to simply pick up my pieces and walk away. Where that gets you in trouble is sometimes you can come back or maybe you turn your attention and then come back to the saw and you won't believe how many, I don't have statistics, but I believe a lot of injuries at the bandsaw happen after the saw has been turned off and you're either clearing chips away or dust or grabbing a work piece and that blade is still going. So if you are dedicated about using that break before you engage with the saw after a cut, it's absolutely going to be safer. Um, but I mean, if you, leave, if you bring that just general awareness, that level of awareness to your bandsaw use, you will also be safe. Um, so I don't know that it's a critical feature. Would, would you guys hold off on the purchase just for the, for the foot break?
3: No. Oh. <clears throat>
1: when when I've read this question before we started, I thought I was talking about a blade break. Like I didn't immediately know. And now that now that you've read it, I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Those foot pedal things yeah. <laughs> never would occur to me. Um, and and I, I agree with you, Mark, because I found myself in the same situation. Like once you hit the power button, oh, you're safe. Right. And there were a couple times never, never anything to like make you fill your drawers. But um, it was kind of like, oh, wait, I should just stand here for a second and let the blade come to a stop. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of get that habit pretty quickly. Um, Because it's still a spinning blade, and I think you you got to really check out to not pay attention to that. Right. So
2: I'm looking at this right now. Okay. So where is the part where he typed the word break? Okay. So here's the the wrong form. I I had. I'm going to confess something here. We can just go. We can continue and not talk about this, but I kind of feel like I need to. Uh, Shannon, I had the same impression because he spelled break. He spelled break break (laughs) incorrectly. And I thought we were also talking about bandsaw blades breaking or (laughs) like he he had saw stop mentioned in here, but I didn't make the connection that we were talking about the foot pedal break until I read it thoroughly. (laughs) I'm so bad at this, but we're on the same page because he spelled it incorrectly. I I read it first thinking like how, how hard is it to break a bandsaw? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like what the hell are you doing? And he actually does spell it right later. So it was just a typo. I think a guy probably oh, yeah. knows how yeah, to spell it breaks. correctly, but I, in skimming it, I took the wrong word and thought we were talking about breakages, but Hey, I think it's a good question anyway. Cause I mean, when, when's the last time we talked about bandsaw brake pedals? It's just, I don't think yeah. it's what is the price point difference. I, I'm, why is there such a huge price point difference? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a certain level of like the more industrial size and style, uh, the beefier ones. Is that ones? what it is?
0: Like you got to step up to a larger saw to even have a brake as a feature?
2: Well, you're not going to find it on the could 14, be. you know, that's on a stand, right? It's usually yeah. that bottom wheel being close to the ground that gives you a pedal that you can break with. What is it? Is that like a disc brake?
1: It can't be like a, it's
2: like a pad, right? Brake. A pad that just engages I mean, where the, does wheel. the pad apply and it could wear out over time. So you don't want to like overuse it. Uh, but it the great yeah. thing about it is it also kills the power. So you can actually use it as like sort of your off button. That's I think that's more like the bigger feature with it is like you don't have to take your hands off the workpiece to turn the saw off. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Okay. Well, there you go. Breaks and breaks. Maybe one day we'll talk about a uh, bandsaw blade breaking.
1: It's <laughs> just like the same idea of putting like the knee button, like putting the button yeah, near your knee the t- or the yeah, little yeah, plate little, that allows you to the kickboard at the table saw.
2: Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good question. All right. So uh, saw stop. You guys want one? I got one of really you. You guys good. listening? You people listening? You guys want oh, one? Oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know who you are talking, talking to. About you, Matt, you are so selfish. Always thinking about to yourself. stop talking to me. Yeah. Well, guess what? I got some good news for you guys. Rockler is giving away a SawStop ten-inch compact table saw and stand. It's valued at over a thousand dollars. The SawStop compact table saw is the smallest, most portable table saw, featuring SawStop's legendary safety brake. That's B R A K E. It's a great fit for, you know, ironically, things break also when that break goes off. Uh, it's a great fit for contractors and also homeowners looking for a safe mobile table saw that can be easily transported and tucked away when not needed. Like other saw stop saws, the safety system stops the spinning blade on contact with skin and drops it below the table in less than five milliseconds. Uh, Either by the end or enter, not either. Enter by the end of September for your chance to win. That's why I wanted to put this. we got three shows coming this month again. I wanted to make sure this got in there so you guys know about it. Uh, Enter by the end of September for your chance to win via the link that's going to be in our show notes. But I'll tell it to you right now if you want to go check it out. Rockler.com slash win dash SawStop dash CTS. Free SawStop, guys. Can't beat that.
1: So go check it out.
2: I had no what
0: idea. What happens if you go Thanks to just win
1: dash if you go to win dash saw stop, do you get a chance to win enter like a full saw stop, like a cabinet saw? Is yeah. that like a super <laughs> just secret keep changing entry it. point? Uh just how about win yeah.
2: dash router dash table? <laughs> <laughs> just want to win everything. <laughs> All right, Matt, you said something. Go yeah, back that
1: URL and have some fun. Shannon,
2: cut <laughs> you off. I didn't hear what you said. I was thanking you for telling me about this because I had no idea. Yep. I don't think you're eligible, but you could try. You never know. I'm not, but worst they could say I know no. about it. <laughs> If
0: people are asking, hey, Matt, how come uh, you don't do any giveaways? And I say, all the time.
1: Listen to Wood Talk, and yeah. Mark will let you know. Via Rockler. Because I have no idea. It's <laughs> not our giveaway. You but. could use another table saw in your pole barn. You need a second yeah. saw. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: thinking getting a big one for out there for doing, like, bench tops, like mm-hmm. a 16-inch table saw or something.
1: Mm. Why not? That sounds good. Back, but You know what I what thought I'd have more the room? normalization of the ridiculous? What was the name? Yeah, but I'm actually using it That's for
0: something.
1: It? Lean into it, yeah. Matt.
0: I am. I'm putting a giant building in my backyard. If that's not <laughs> that's leaning true. into it, like, right. we'll talk that's about that.
1: Like, we, we have no to sh- talk
2: more about this on the next show because I have to give, okay. I have to give you crap about something. We'll, we'll get there. Don't oh, you no. Oh, okay. <laughs> goodie!
0: I mean, that's no different than any other time. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just like any other show. <laughs> it's like every other show. This is no yeah, different is. than usual.
2: <laughs> that's true.
1: All right, you got a
0: question there, Matt. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm getting to it. Why don't you Thank get you it. very much. I'm tired of talking about this stuff. <laughs> this is my yeah, time now. It's salty reclaiming my time
2: it's our time down here
0: <laughs> All right, it's a goonies reference. <laughs> oh man okay are you ready are you actually mm-hmm. ready now
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay this one is from joe uh, joe says i recently was able to get a hickory log from a storm damaged tree that i want to saw on my bandsaw mill there was about uh 18 feet of the trunk left standing that i cut down four days later i went to cut it into two eight foot logs that math doesn't add up but we'll get back to that Big and curve. apply anchor seal <laughs> A real big curve. (laughs)
2: A (laughs) two-foot curve. (laughs) (laughs)
0: However, when I got oh man. However, when I cut it, there was literally water dripping out of the end of the log, I applied the anchor seal anyway. My question is, where do you think the water came from? Sorry. Was it just coming out of the wood or might have soaked up rainwater while still standing? Also, should I have waited a day or two before applying Anchor Seal? Thanks.
2: (laughs) Hmm. Where is this water coming from? Where is this water
0: coming out of trees? Trees are mostly water. (laughs) Like people. So, Uh. Oh, man. So for just as a little bit of a refresher, Anchor Seal is an end grain sealer. It seals up the ends of the logs so that they don't dry out and cause uh, end checking, which is kind of cracking that forms. On the end of your logs, and this decreases the yield overall. Uh, I have a video about doing this on my channel, and we'll provide a link to that as well. Um, The water is probably just free water that was just in the tree at that time coming out of there. So that's kind of normal. I wouldn't really worry too much about that. I haven't really experienced this much water dripping of a log before until uh, recently, actually. I picked up a walnut log that was struck by lightning and had like a whole bunch of. Uh, holes in it where it actually collected water mm. um, over time in it. And as I was cutting it to length, like there would be water literally pouring out of it. Uh, I just let the water kind of run out. And then I kind of, I think I sealed it later that same day or maybe the following day. Uh, the, the kind of tricky part with this is ideally you want to get that stuff on there as soon as possible. So you don't have any drying at all, but you also don't want to dilute the product. If there's literally water like actually running out of there, so right. I would just say, you know, you just wait a day. You should be fine. But you redid it. So I would just probably just throw my coat on just to be safe. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, this is pretty normal, normal stuff. Trees got water in them, you know.
2: Shoot. I get a cedar two by fours that you have to put on end for a couple of days. So they drain out. I <laughs> think you're supposed to wring them out, I believe. I think so. Ah, my wrists it. just They're aren't out. strong enough to twist it like it used to be.
1: Hard <laughs> to twist itself, We were... Don't worry. We were We were doing a a big (laughs) railing project. Um, There's a a pier up in New York City called Little Island that uh, opened shortly, like during COVID. And it's it's a really, really cool design. It's this architectural like series of mushroom looking things that turned into a park that was on the end of a pier. We had to make these um, really beefy handrails out of six by six uh, timbers of Kumaru. And the only way you can get that stuff out of Brazil is is green. and we had to cut this like really, really deep groove down the middle that would house like the metal railing underneath it. And you plow the groove on the CNC and you could actually see it fill with water. <laughs> like it, was, it wasn't like come back six hours later, it was filled with water. Like it was, you could just stand there. <laughs> it's like real time time lapse, basically. It's just filling in with water. You thirsty? Crazy. Put a
0: straw in there and yeah. have yourself a little cocktail. Mm, Tree juice. and water. You don't like tree it's, juice? Yeah. <laughs>
1: tree juice sounds better. I try it. Yeah. See, I also think that the the issue, people tend to think that anchor seal, like I've slapped anchor seal on, so I've solved all my problems. Um I, I agree with you, Matt. You got to get it on there as soon as possible. But you know, that will also, if you've got a lot of free water in there, it's got to trap the free water and you're probably gonna get mold. So you're probably gonna end up losing some of the end of the log anyway. Um, because we have we actually have several questions in the inbox about. Like I'm getting all this checking. I applied anchor seal. It's like checking's still gonna happen. Like, depending on how much if it's in this case case where there's that much water still on the log, it's probably gonna happen. Like the best thing you could probably do is fell the tree and saw it into boards in one day and then put the anchor seal on. But yeah, that's not gonna happen. Probably not. So yeah, just because you're anchor sealed, that doesn't mean that you know it's fixed. Yeah.
0: Oh done. It's no definitely, definitely like a, a gradient with it too. Like if you put your anchor if you put anchor seal on it and then you set the log in the sun, it's still gonna check. You are still oh got yeah. that. And like the other thing too is if you read the actual instructions, if you have like a bigger log, you're supposed to apply like multiple coats anyway as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely better than doing nothing, but you still have to like it's still a little bit of a game. You gotta game it a little bit, but
1: yeah, yeah I don't know, just Not to mention, if you put it in the kiln, just plan on losing at least eight inches off of both ends of the board if you're going to dry it. Mm. Just the way things are.
2: Okay. All right. Got a question here from David Thompson. I was asking about glue. He said, I was wondering why we bother with Type-On 2 rather than only using Type-On Original or Type-On 3. Type-On 2, not Tune, is uh, not food-grade nor waterproof. Are we trying to resist humidity? Okay, so... Quick correction there though, I do believe Type-On 2 is uh, FDA approved for indirect food contact, just like all the other Type-On regular wood glues. Um, But I do think this is, this might be, uh, you know, I don't know, our marketing guy, Shannon might have a reason for this. You know, when you have a product line and you're doing them in order, (laughs) so you have your Type-On original, they came out with Type-On 2 that's got water resistance. So you're gonna find people using that for a lot of things like um, cutting boards and stuff that might just get a little bit wet. Uh, maybe outdoor furniture that isn't meant to be drenched, but it might get a little bit of rain on it. Um, and they didn't have type on three at the time. So a lot of people got on that type on two train and they're just using that for everything. Uh, and then they come up with an even better product called type on three. Um, now, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the justification or like reasons why they keep all these things in the market. Obviously there's a benefit to it, but it, to me, the way I look at it is like, it's either type on three or original. And you go for original when you don't need that waterproof nature because- why spend more money on it, right? So type on original is a little bit cheaper. And when you do need that stuff, you get a longer open time. Um, type on three, just in general is a great all around glue. And if you don't mind spending the money could be your only glue. Um, but the, the fact that type on two is still on the market, I I don't know for sure what the reason is. Obviously people are buying it, but it may just be out of habit. This is what I've always used, or there are slight differences in color, in some of the behavior after it cures that make people kind of favor one of these or the other. And that might be the reason just experience with the glues. Someone says, Hey, type on two. That's mine. I enjoy that. And
1: they uh, continue to use I, it. I like the blue bottle. That's why I use it. It is a nice color. I like the yeah. red bottle. This red. I'm not a fan of the green. The, so I just keep, listening. I, actually like I the way honestly the, think the green the reason grapes. it's still in the market is because people keep buying it. That's why it's still in the yeah. market. People keep buying it because that's what they've just been using because I'm one of them. I just always use Type-on 2. Right. I know that if I need the waterproof, I got to buy Type-on 3, but yeah, I just haven't bothered. Okay, Mm. there you go. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us
2: today, thankfully, because uh, wow, are these some weird technical issues we're having. Uh, Family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win
1: a $250 gift card. Good stuff. Got to do it, folks. I used it just the other day and got free shipping on my Rockler order. Attaboy. So one, one person has used it at least. There's so. <laughs> one. So f- thank you, guys. This was kind of a Q&A show. Thank you for sending in the questions. We got plenty more in the inbox. We will get to them sometime in the next five years or so, mm-hmm. we promise. But if you guys are as excited as I am that the technical di- difficulties on today's show were not caused by me, <laughs> then uh, let me know. <laughs> I'm so glad to know. Something to celebrate. It wasn't my fault this time and, you know, someone else's fault. So, yeah, <laughs> let us know how you feel about that. But send those questions into woodtalkshow.com. Or hit us up on Instagram at Wood Talk Show. Or you can even send us a voicemail using your phone thingy. The iPhone 4 works. Yep. Your voice memos are good. <laughs> no, I bet. You, <laughs> um, you can email those to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Yeah. God. I think I have an iPhone 3 in a drawer somewhere. Um, I haven't tried to power it up recently, but it might still work. You never know. Give it a try. That's all. Thanks. Goodbye.
2: See you bye. So, you guys this time cut out on me and I couldn't hear anything. Just the last couple of minutes. Uh, Did you guys end the show? (laughs) I don't know what's going on here. It's over. Okay, it's over. Great. Welcome back. Oh, God.